I think that goes on in organizations too. They start to identify themselves and people. We start to identify ourselves in a certain way and it confines us. And so I love being, in a sense, you know, nothing, nobody. <laughs> it just feels free. That's Michelle Bailey, who helps senior executives, individuals, and teams discover mental well being and emotional resilience in times of transition, change, and uncertainty. Her style is experiential, creative, and mindful. And in this episode of Your Truth Shared, we discuss the limits inherent in square companies, as she calls them, and how we can tap into our other minds to unlock our own creativity and visionary abilities. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. I have a very special friend with me today and she works. I'll tell you the work stuff first and then we'll talk a little bit about what I feel her work is. <laughs> so her work is with helping uh, teams in organizations so that they can move past habitual mindsets who can make clearer decisions, have greater well-being, uh, sense of calm, all that good stuff that you associate with these kinds of programs in large organizations. And for me, she is Michelle Bailey, first of all, <laughs> and she is a wise guide whose opinion I deeply respect and who I always gain from in every encounter. And I like our encounters and we've known each other for about, I realized, Michelle, we know each other for about 16 years. We met at a conference that I was running in 2006 in the wilds of Mayo. So here you are, Michelle. Lovely to see you. I, I, I'm just amazed at what you said there because it's, um, I was trying to think how long it's been as well. You know, and and I think what we're going to talk about today is you and I are living proof of what we're talking about today, I think, in mm. how we met and how we followed the rhythms, the, you know, because I, I, I just remember we were at a, a woman's network. Yeah. But I was thinking this morning, like, well, why, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. when when we follow the rhythms, there isn't always the logical why. Yeah. You know, it's just that life puts you together because that's where you're supposed to be at that particular time. And you and I seem to be very tuned into that. So we connected as we were supposed to. Yeah, it felt right. And I think the first thing I learned about you, see, what, what made me, what was interesting for me in doing the intro for you there was it made me think of that whole idea of when you strip everything back, what's left in its I am. And I think that's much more freeing and less constraint uh, than trying to find the box that fits. We, yes, we work in a, a world where we have to find the box that fits so people can understand who we are. 
But then I think you can break down the walls of the box and become more of who you are. I love you used the term I am, uh, because in essence, mm. that's our naturalness. And, and I feel that that's what we're, mm. we're searching to reconnect with is that natural sense that we all come into this body with, you know, you nobody had to teach you that, mm. right? You just, every child mm. knows I am. And then what happens though is it gets involved in all of the various conditioning and, you know, attachment to the body and the conditioning and everything that it gets taught. And so we lose connection with who we really are, our natural, you know, our naturalness. Because I often say to people, you mm. know, uh, learn the difference between yourself and your mind. And people go, well, mm. what do you mean? <laughs> you know, I, this is myself. Yeah. And, and then when we go deeper, you go, well, maybe that isn't. Maybe that's just the psychological mind, my conditioning, what I've been taught. And so I'm following that rather than actually following the, you know, stripped back, as you say, the essence of my nature and who I really am. And how do you feel this is being received in today's world? Like, I mean, some of our conversations the other day when we were just doing our intro session together to plan for today was, you know, about the difference between being and doing. But there is a move, I think, in I'm hoping there is a greater move in organizations that allow us the space to uh, be more than what's expected. Do you do you understand what I mean? I, I'm I'm interested in what you are seeing in these organisations when you're invited into these conversations to help people find that difference between the being and the doing and the psychological mind and the self. And is it too much? Do you think for organisations? Uh, it depends on the organisation. And I think what the approach I take, Fanola, is, you know, meet people where they are, you know, rather mm. than trying to make them something that they're not, meet them at, the, you know, at, at their current level of understanding. And probably um, mm. an easy way um, of distinguishing what we're talking about that most people can relate to is really the difference between knowing the difference between aware mind and thinking mind. And so... Tell us more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking about it this morning. It's like uh, if a number of years ago, I traveled through Australia. And they did a study at that time with Aboriginal children and what they were classifying as white children, okay, who had gone more through the, the traditional school system. And what they found is that the, the white children tended to think very much sequentially, very logically, very line, in a linear fashion, where the Aboriginal ch children had more of that, what we're calling the aware mind, which we all possess. It's just mm -hmm. that it was more, it's been more nurtured mm -hmm. in them. And so what does that mean? They're, they're able to recognize patterns and wholeness. And um, they go very much by intuition, right? And, and that's needed when they go on their walkabouts because it's like often they don't know where water's going to be or food's going to be. So they actually follow, you know, the, the guidance that they receive. 
And I suppose that, mm. that intrigued me because of where I grew up in Canada. I, I grew up in um, a city called Calgary, which is originally it was a fort. And it was surrounded by First Nations people. And again, I was mm. always intrigued. You know, we have what's called the Calgary Stampede there, which is this big rodeo. And I know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I always found myself in the First Nations village, you know, and this is where they all come in and they all hang out together and they have their teepees. And, and there was always a sense for me of, you know, they understand this, you know, they, it's like the Hopi mm. Indian used to call white people square people. You know, because we tend to look at everything <laughs> in boxes, you know, and we're square, right? Where they see more circles and, and that kind of thing. So I guess, I guess what I do um, is that I see that a lot of businesses are quite square in their thinking. And, and yeah. um, you know, another model, I always love models as well, because it helps people conceptualize what you're talking about. But it's like if you can imagine four windows, and in one window is the thinking window, and this is like perception, mm -hmm. you know? And then in mm -hmm. another window is the sensing window, another window is the feeling window, and then another window is the visionary window. And the visionary window mm -hmm. is not where we visualize, but it's where we receive visions. Okay, it's that, mm. that stream of consciousness that we receive visions. Well, my experience is most business people and, and most Western training and school, etc., not to knock it, but it, it just seems to be very much the thinking window. There's not a lot of emphasis on the sensing, the feeling, or the visionary window. So a lot, and that's the aware mind, the being that I'm talking about. And it's limiting not to allow for that. Exactly. Exactly. And mm. so any of the organizations that are drawn to me, because certainly some aren't, the, the square people in the thinking window are definitely not drawn <laughs> to me. But the ones who are more open, <laughs> you know, they can resonate with yeah. what I'm talking about. Then all I do is you asked me, you know, before we started, how will I introduce you? Are you a coach? I, I guess I am, but I'm, I'm kind of a pointer, you know, I just point people to, well, mm. are you aware of your senses, you know, and what are you aware yeah. of, you know, um, what is it you feel? And some people go, well, I think I feel, right? So it's like, no, what yeah. are you directly, <laughs> you know, and then, and then helping them tune into um, that more visionary window, because that's the seat of creativity. You know, creativity is not something that we already know, which is the thinking window. It, it has to yeah. be in that, in that plane of, um, of, you know, what one of my creativity teachers said to me, that 98% that you're not paying attention to, right? Because you're only looking at your yeah. finger. So um, I, I don't <laughs> know if that, <laughs> that helps explain. But, yeah, totally. Yeah. Completely. The, this interesting, this what I feel from <laughs> listening to that is that it sounds like fear and control to just stay in this one perception of, of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's what I've recognized is that when you start to uh, become more aware of the mind and its tendencies, particularly the thinking mind, 
it tends to think about the past with regret, and then it tends to try to um, control the next split second <laughs> of the future. And there's this illusion that, that this means we're in control, right? But it's actually, it's the reverse. It's the aware mind that is key to our survival. It's not the thinking mind. It's the aware mind. And we've probably all had those experiences before. It's like, you know, I recall, uh, uh, you know, getting into a car accident one time and, and like, you know, everything just stopped, you know, like time stopped. But it was like there was just this knowing of what to do. Mm. And, and the rational mind never would have been able to predict that. It just, it, it's like the aware mind just spontaneously arises in the moment. You can't plan for it, right? And, and this is where we get off track. We're constantly, and I'm not against planning because, of course, if you're going to you, you know, go on a holiday or something, you know, you need to, you need to make some arrangements. That's practical mind. But it's like, I see so many organizations and they get into these strategy sessions and, you know, they're trying to figure everything out. Um, and, and then something happens that, you know, completely <laughs> throws the whole thing <laughs> off kilter. And, and then they're, they're thrown into chaos because that's the other thing. They can't like flow with it. You know, they have, they resist it. Because it's in this space, you know, again. tech companies with, you know, coding and all of that, they talk about agile development. And I know this because I've worked with so many tech companies and because I'm kind of interested in how this space of this visionary space is, is trying to move itself into square space, <laughs> you know what I mean? That a rationalization of waiting for things to happen. Yes, you have to have this planning piece and it's a really strong part of what I do, but it's creating space for listening to the market, the obvious one, but listening to what comes still with a kind of end point in place. But I feel that over the last number of years, especially in the tech space, that planning has become much more, less constrained by having to know everything all of the time and creating space for change and for moving and that rhythm and that flow that you talked about at the start. Yeah, I, I, I've been working with a, a tech company, as you're saying, for a number, a number of years. And I've found that, you know, there's two two types that I seem to work with, those that are mm. resistant to the amount of chaos and change that's going on, and they will tend to suffer. And then mm. there's those who, who go, okay, you know, let's embrace this. But, but the difference is uh, the managing director that, I, that, that I've known for years, he, he firmly believes in, in guiding and helping people through that chaos and that change and helping them um, mostly at the, the personal level um, but like, and, and not needing to know what it is we're doing. Just, you know, get them the help they need emotionally, get them the help they need mentally. I trust yeah. you to do that. I trust them to do that. I'm not forcing anybody. 
but if they need the help, here's the help that's available. And, and it's, it's absolute clarity. You know, he's absolutely clear that by doing that, you know, they're going to, to be loyal to him. They're going to help his company. And there's such a difference, Fanola. I see such a difference. You know, the ones who are, are frightened, in a sense, to, because, because, you know, in, in, in learning about the thinking mind, there's a lot of um, conditioning and patterns, you know, that are causing the resistance. And, and we, we're habituated, you know, all of us yeah. are, you know. And so, so it's not always easy to let go of those habits. You know, the reflex will want to be to go back to the, the habit that we know. And so um, you know, I just keep encouraging people, well, you know, um, you're aware of the differences, what happens when you're in that, you know, state and when you're in this state, you decide and, and let go of that, like I said, the thinking pattern of beating yourself, regretting the past, you know, I didn't do it right again and recognize, look, it's not personal, it's just your conditioning. That's all it is. That's a lovely thing to repeat. It's not personal. It's just yeah. it's not personal. It's just your conditioning. And even like, you know, I've been I've been working at this for a long time, as you know, because you've you've seen the ups and downs of me for many years. And and even still with the the level of awareness that I feel I have, you know, this reflex response will come in, you know, just like mm, it'll just come in. But I'm aware enough now to go, okay, but no, that's, that's just a thought. That's just a thought. It's not who I truly am. And I can get involved in that and feel guilty, but that's just going to actually perpetuate the story about it and the thought and the mistruth mm -hmm. about it. So it, it's, it's like what I actually point out to people is quite simple, but the mind is quite complex. And so, you know, the mind just goes, well, it can't be this simple, can it? You know, like, <laughs> you mean I just have to pay attention to my breathing and my muscle tension and that makes a huge difference? You know, like, yeah, it can be that <laughs> simple, you know? You mean I can, just, I can just pause before I do something and yeah. just be? Like, I noticed yeah. it with you. You just paused before we started this interview. And I love that because it got me, you know, it was like I was watching you and, and it was like, yeah, let's just pause. This is, you know, this is just a conversation with Finola. We don't have to perform here. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I find it's something and I don't know where it came from. I find it's something I learned a long time ago to sit into a space of being. And that act which takes a moment, like maybe, well, a little longer than a moment, changes everything. I'm really glad you said that because one of the questions you, you sent me, you know, some of the topic ideas we might talk about today, and then you said, if you had a message, and I went, oh my goodness, what, you know, who am I to give anybody a message, really? But um, it, it would, you know, if I was to leave people with the thought, it, it would be that, you know, it, it's just, uh, example being, um, say you've got a decision and, and, you know, you, it, it's just not clear you know, that, that intuition is just not coming yet. Counterintuitive, 
<laughs> to what you may think you should do. I, I would recommend, like you said there, just stay in that sense of being and not knowing. Mm. And, and you may even have to say to yourself, I've decided I'm not going to do anything right now, and I'm just going to be here. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, get ready, though, because often, if you're not practiced at this, there's going to be a restlessness or an energy is going to come up and go, no, no, I need to do something, right? Because we've all <laughs> been so programmed and conditioned to, no, no, I really, you mm. know, I need to do something. And, and again, if, if you can develop like the witnessing posture, I call it, like that observing position where you can just watch it, watch the energy, watch the, uh, you, you know, the wanting to do something, but don't engage with it. Just don't engage with it. I'm just going to take a very short break here to tell you about an opportunity where you can apply the insights from many of these conversations to your business. Your marketing is your choice. In fact, all the trends scream that the more authentic you are, the greater the resonance with your target customers and the greater the success your business can have. Position with Purpose is my free 90 minute webinar where you will learn that it's possible to do your marketing in a way that feels like you and delivers results. She just knows what step you should take next. One of these rare finds is really genuine people. Finola will help you to find your authentic voice. Finola has some wonderful methodologies. Did I say Finola really cares? She genuinely does. You manage to combine a proximity and helping hand with an online course or online program. You have an incredible generosity of spirit. Finola helps you to extract ideas and dreams of how to make your business even bigger. It is so much more than marketing. If you'd like to find out more about Position With Purpose, click on the link in the show notes so you can find out how to market so it feels like you and pull your customers to you. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Can you share how to do that practically for someone who may not know what you mean by just that watching posture or witnessing posture? Yeah, yeah we can do that right now. You and I can do that right now. It's, cool. it's, it's so simple. Yeah. Jo okay, so just um, just pause for a moment. And in this moment, we're just going to drop all thoughts about the past. So I'm inviting you into this room of being. And to come into the room of being, you need to leave your mind at the door. And then people may go, well, how do I leave my mind at the door? <laughs> Um, well, I'll give you some clues as to how the mind operates. It tends to operate in this notion of time. So leave all sense of past just for a moment. Leave all sense of past at the door. So all memory, all you were thinking before this moment, all concepts you hold about yourself, all roles, just for a moment. And then let go all sense of future. 
So all of the intentions, all the desires, all the goals, the ambitions, and even the present moment, let go all interpretations, all the roles you play, just temporarily let them go. So the role of mother, of marketing expert, all these various roles, even woman, let it all go, just temporarily. And when you let go of everything, you'll begin to notice that there's still this sense of of presence, of being, I am. It's there. Otherwise, you couldn't hear what I'm saying. So it's your senses are still operating. Your breathing is happening very effortlessly. You're not in control of any of that. Are you aware of that? This is the state of being that we're talking about. And if what I recommend with directors, managers, is to to take at least five minutes at the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, and before they go to sleep, just to rest in this place of being. Now, can you describe for me, Fanola, what is this space like? Not thinking, you went back to thinking. I did. <laughs> right here, right now. <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. What's it like right now? So you wanted to recall it from the past. Be in it right now. It's just quiet. Like, it's, there's peace there, you know. But mostly it's quiet. There's no noise. There's space. That, that's a beautiful, it's absolutely what is there, okay? It's silent. It's spacious. It's peaceful. And how long did that take us? Maybe three minutes? something like that. It wasn't a long-winded meditation or anything like that. It's simply, all we did there is when you drop all of the, you know, the thoughts. And I'll, I'll say to, to some people who are listening, they may go, well, the thoughts were still there, <laughs> you know, and, and they may be. But if you can just remain aware of the, the, the space that you notice, the silence you notice, the peace that you notice, that observing, witnessing place, you'll be able to watch the thoughts like the clouds passing in the sky. You're, you know, you notice they're spacious, so you, you, and it's in you, it's in all of us, it's always there, it was always there. It's just the reflex was for a long time, and still is, the attention tends to go to the thoughts that are going by or the feelings that are, you know, that we're witnessing, right? And as soon as the attention 
joins with them, and you believe it, it will become your experience. So, to you know, the, the one of the greatest things we can do is just be in that be in that being space. Then the mind comes up for a lot of people, you know. So I was, you know, explaining this to a managing director I'm working for, and he goes, "But then I'll be lazy, you know, and I won't do anything." Right? But it's a great point. That's a great concern. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a thought. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just a thought. Because, you know, he also recognized that, you know, one of the, the greatest moments of his life is when he's taking a transatlantic flight and he doesn't have to talk to anybody and he doesn't have to answer phones and mm. he can be. And I said, well, yeah. you know, you already, <laughs> you understand the being state. You just have classified it that it's okay, you know, to have it here, but not there. And and for years, Fanola, you know, I've been fascinated by, by effective performance, you know, whether mm. it's in business. And of course, you know, my background's also music and singing and voice. And, and, and you know, so like with music, with theater, athletes, you know, what is it that makes them so brilliant at what they do? And they are really balanced in this, the top performers. You know, mm. it was like I was thinking of like Yo-Yo Ma, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever watched him, the, the cellist play. He's just a prime example of, you know, of, of like just being, but there's also doing there too, but it's like this most present performance, you know, he's just like, and so, and we're awestruck by it, right? Because mm. he's learned how to to use both the aware mind and the, and the um, thinking mind it's in us, and we do utilize it, we're just not utilizing it enough, mm. you know, in, particularly in business. And when you, when you gave that example of Yo-Yo Ma and this idea of being and doing simultaneously, it just seems like such efficiency, you know, maximizing that moment, which just makes, which surely entrepreneurs, business owners would want to grasp that with both hands. And, but it, you need to overcome the paradigm of, you know, like this do, 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 and, and recognize, because it was always our nature, Fanola, like even even as children, when we were in school, there's like this natural rhythm in us to be able mm. to focus maybe for about 90 minutes, right? And then, and we're like in that beta activity of the, the brainwave frequency. It's really, really a fast frequency. But in, intuitively, mm. there was always something in us that wanted to just kind of daydream for a moment, you know, and go in more into the alpha state. Right, which is what meditation can take you into, but but a lot of teachers went, you know, Fanola, pay attention, you know, pay attention, you know, and mm. and so it's it's like overcoming that that notion that you're not productive, and you know, it's like one young manager comes to mind, 
you know, and the, a couple of them that it's made such a difference to their lives, just, you know, incorporating this in their daily lives at work. They used to just, you know, do, 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 be rescuing everybody, firefighting. And I just introduced a practice called pause between actions. Right? Before oh, you take, it. like you finish an action, pause before the next one. And it's, and it's like one, like he could teach me now, you know, and, and, and I said, well, what's been the difference in your life? just incorporating that. And he goes, well, he says, it maybe takes me about 60 seconds or 90 seconds, but, but I'm clear about what my next action is. I'm not carrying yeah. the energy of the previous action forward. So, you know, that's all mindfulness in a way is teaching too. It's to bring us back into this moment right now. But a lot of the time, if we're really caught up in the thinking mind, you know, we're 10 steps ahead of ourselves and we're out of sync with, with the, the, the harmony that's going mm. on right now, right? We're out of sync with what life is trying to tell us to pay attention to and do right now. And a lot of people, I think, think this is freaky, where I, I just think it's normal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... We've just um, forgotten that it was it's normal. Yeah, we knew this as children, you know. And, and I'll mm. give you another prime example. It's like, um, I had a dream about somebody um, about a week ago, and I haven't seen him in 27 years. And then all morning, I had the sense of, you know, I don't know what this is about, but I'm going to contact him, right? So I mm -hmm. did, and I said, I don't know why I'm contacting you. And you need to follow that, no matter how that, but, mm. but if you're thinking, mind, you'll go, this isn't logical. And believe me, it kicked in and went, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, right? He emails me back and he goes, this is so freaky. He says, I was thinking of you the last three days, and yesterday I was wondering how I could get in contact with you. But I think everyone has that story, has Absolutely. the story of, of doing that. Absolutely. And it's why, why, why do we not pay more attention to it, you know? And especially when I think about how, you know, when you're talking about futurists and people talking about the way the world is going and what's needed, more and more and more and more creativity is cited as one of the deepest things, the most important things that we need to nurture in organizations and in ourselves. And this is how to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, my creativity teacher taught me, you know, he said, it's, it is not the words that are coming to you in your mind. You already know that right? Mm. You've got to go mm. deeper. You need to go deeper. And, and, and that's what this, you know, like if you noticed uh, with the little exercise we did there, you probably had a sense of, you know, being kind of back looking, you know, at the thoughts or something like that. I don't know if you did, but the more you practice this, there's a sense of, you know, the awareness position, the being state is deeper in us. Uh, it's not as as peripheral, you know. Or, 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 mm. It's yeah, it's not the thoughts that are coming by. It's in another position, but it's in us, right? It's just another mm. position of perception, actually. But um, mm. you know, and it's like I can't remember the exact quote, but it's funny. You know, we're having this conversation. It was Albert Einstein said that. You know, and I can't remember the exact words he used, but it was something like. 
I never understood the nature of the universe by following, you know, the rational mind. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and like, he, he never did. Like, you know, and there was, this is who, who we call a genius, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because we're so filled with limits in state when there is so much, when there's so lit, there are no limits put on us. We do it to ourselves. That's it, exactly. Because when you come back to what you said about the I am, you know, it's like whenever we take on a I am this or I am that or I am, you know, we put, you know, we confine ourselves to the definition. Mm. So, mm. you know, it, it, like an example, years ago, I worked with a, a guy who was like, I am a rugby player and, you know, had been mm. conditioned from the time he was a child, even paid money by his father to gain, you know, a stone and wave. And then he, he hurts himself and is given a choice between walking and playing rugby. So he chooses walking. But the dilemma that he went through for so long because of this strong identification that he made, right? And so I say this because I think mm -hmm. that goes on in organizations too, is, is they start to identify themselves and people, we start to identify ourselves in a certain way and it confines us, right? Um, yeah. And so I love, I love, you know, being in a sense, you know, nothing, nobody, right? It just feels free not yeah. to, you know, like just not to have those kind of labels to put on myself, right? Because we outgrow them all the time too. And we try to find stability in them, but they're constantly changing and growing as they should. And the ones that have the, the I think the, the biggest trouble are the ones uh, that, that try to hang on to, try to hang on when it's time to outgrow it and move on from it. But do you think that, I had this experience and I, I think I shared it to you at the time, several years ago, I was doing a, an online course, I can't remember, but it was in an awareness space and there was an exercise it was group, a group um, session and there was an exercise. I was laughing because how little I said. But anyway, the exercise was to uh, describe yourself. And uh, and I, I think I went first and I I was, you know, I was uh, trying to be as succinct as I could <laughs> to get the message clear, <laughs> you know, all of that good stuff. And I remember and it was also a little leap for me at the time of declaring something. And I described myself as I am an intuitive marketer. And then other people came on and they had all these long lists of I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I'm a this, I'm a that and that. And I was going, oh, God, I didn't do so well. I didn't say all these things. <laughs> but then the exercise was, was, so that's funny. But so then the exercise was, is drop one of them. If you had to let go of one of them and you could only hold one, what would you keep? And it was really hard because I so self-identified as a marketer. And what shocked me was that I dropped that because I wanted to keep the intuition. It was so important to me. And I remember telling that story to people and, and I said, do you know which one I picked? And they went, yeah, <laughs> and they knew that it was the intuitive part of me. But then, of course, the next step was 
drop the intuitive piece to. That just blew my mind. <laughs> so that's what I think that's why it, it, I, rem, I reminded of the I am piece, because it does allow us that ability to be more. It, there was a, an, an Indian sage lived, um, his name was Nisargata Maharaj. And um, he used to say that the, the, the doorway of perception swings open to the world and form and objects, or it swings back to the infinite. And the, the doorway, the portal is I am. And so he always, he always recommended just, you know, stay. And, and in a sense, when we drop what the exercise I did with you, as brief as it was, it, it's dropping. As you notice, I love you said that in your exercise, you had to keep dropping, dropping, dropping. It's, and this goes, you know, for years, this went a, a, against my, my, you know, I'm a, a, an L&D specialist, learning and development specialist, a teacher. What do you mean I have to let go of everything I've learned? <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and, I, and it's like my, my, my teacher, my teacher, my teacher says, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> you, know, you know, I call him a teacher, right? But he says, I'm not a teacher. You yeah. know, he says, I'm just pointing, right? I'm just guiding you. I'm pointing. Because you have to unlearn everything that you think you are mm. to really know, you know, the infinite ability or, you know, the infinite potential that you are. Because everything, as mm. he says, everything that you're defining, you're confining, right? Uh, and so I love that you say that because it's actually a dropping away. And I think when it comes to the, the companies that I'm working with, because so many of them are overloaded, they really are overloaded, particularly the IT people. Um, it's, it's such a relief, I think, for a lot of them to spend an hour with me and we just drop stuff, you know, and they go, oh, but I feel so mm. refreshed. I feel because, you know, I feel, uh, I feel clear. I feel refreshed. But you can't say that to somebody that you'll feel this. They actually have to have the experience. And that's the way I al have always worked. It, it's like it's experiential. What's the difference, Michelle, from a, to get to be very pragmatic and uh, in this r real world of ours? Um, what's the difference when when organizations do this work compared to other organizations that don't? Like, does it matter? I I, I believe it matters. Uh, and I can only go by, um, I go more by what people say to me that I'm working with than even, but also, you know, a lot of these companies will do internal surveys and things like that as well. But the kind of feedback I get is, 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 well, I, I, I never had a company care about me like this, you know? Um, I was always, it was always expected of me to, you know, to, I never questioned working, 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 working and burnout before because that was always expected of me, you know, and, and there's almost like a, a little bit of mistrust at first, like, you know, well, you know, what are they after? You know, <laughs> why are mm. they doing this? What are they after? You know? But, and mm. then, and then the, the sense is, is, you know, I'm, you know, I trust this, this managing director, I trust this company and I want to work for them. 
And it makes logical sense, particularly in the IT business, from what I understand working with them, it can be really difficult to get top-notch engineers or people like that, you know, at a reasonable price. And they'll actually even stay for less mm -hmm. money because they feel they're cared for. Mm -hmm. It gets right back to that, you know, you, um, that, that caring. If you really care for people, they're going to care for you. Business really is about people. People caring for people. And if that's not there, you're not going to be... I remember meeting this consultant years ago, and, and I was really getting disillusioned with business, you know. He's, he's passed on now, but, um, you know, his whole remit was, like, we got to bring love into business, right? And I thought, yeah, I like that idea, but like you, the how am I going to do that? You know, and I tried to convince a few people of this and he goes, I'm not going to love him or, you know, and it's totally, <laughs> it's totally okay in sports. It's totally okay in our families. It's totally okay. <laughs> and, mm. you know, in these kind of things, but not in business, right? So, uh, but he, he was absolutely clear and, 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 you know, people would phone him to get him to consult with them. And he goes, well, are you ready to love? If you're not ready to love, you're not going to be in business. And, in you know 10 years and so yeah. um and in the one organization that that i'm particularly i've been talking about there is a sense of family there and and there, you know like and caring for each other and you know and and it's it, there some of them because they've acquired a couple companies the new ones they they acquire they're kind of suspicious at first of this because they're just not used to it but it works you gave a great uh in our chat last week, you gave uh, me a great example of how this kind of energy in organizations can be calibrated, this perspective or this viewpoint. And there is this guy that calibrated this, uh, Dr. David Hawkins, was it? And this idea that Walmart, when Sam Walton was alive, was actually calibrated really, really high because of that idea of caring and love and looking after the employees and all the rest of it. And that was when Walmart was at its most successful, like at its best. And the minute that that left, you know, like Elvis has left the building, the minute that perspective and that energy left the building, they plummeted and they plummeted not only in their their calibration, but they also plummeted in their success. Yeah, because it's the difference between values being words and values being lived. So yeah. Wally, Wally Walmart, I don't know what his last name was, but he, he truly believed in caring about people and welcoming them and, you know, honesty and, and, and if you got a, a product that was defective, there was no questions asked. It was returned. You know, he totally believed in that, you know. Yeah. So that family encompassed customers. And so people wanted to buy there and, you know, and it just radiated out from that center point. I mean, it's obvious when it's described like that. Exactly. Because it's like I've done many strategy sessions over the years with companies and they come up with their values and their da-da-da-da-da. And they're just, you know, nobody remembers them and they're just on the wall. Um, but it really takes, you know, that's why I think leadership is just so key. 
it really takes mm. the 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 person who is leading the the show <laughs> to really be mm. embodying what they're talking about in this IT company that I work with um yeah this 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 guy is genuine he's you know he really really cares about people and and it was like even through covid you know having to lay people off it just about destroyed him you know he it's just not his it wasn't in his nature to do that you know even though we can say oh well that's a pragmatic decision in business and i suppose for it was but it, he had many sleepless nights over it where others it was absolutely no problem just off with their heads you know it was that kind of attitude what would you like people to walk away with today what we've been talking about if uh, my recommendation would be begin to discern the difference between aware mind and thinking mind and and just by starting with a, a five minutes in the morning first thing in the morning particularly because that's the time when we tend to just jump up and we get into gear you know and we we've got the to-do lists happening and the the you know what's next and that kind of thing right recommendation would be start the morning even if you have to get up five minutes earlier start the morning with five minutes of just dropping every you know the past the future all thoughts and and stepping into that that place of being now thoughts may occur and and just watch them just start to develop the habit of observing the thoughts the feelings the images being in that silent imageless spaceless space that's in us and, and and it will be difficult at first for a lot of people you know they'll the itch to go do something <laughs> but i'm going to encourage persist just for five minutes and and don't believe me just try it and see what happens right that would be my my greatest recommendation and how can people find out more about you michelle well, you know, it's interesting, Fanola. Um, I'm, I haven't really, as you've noticed, I haven't been marketing. <laughs> I haven't been mm. going out. I think, um, and I've been toying with a website and that's been going on for quite some time. I don't have a website, none of that. It's all word of mouth. It's, you know, I'm in that uh, beautiful position. Um, the best, I suspect, would be to contact me through LinkedIn. So if you can give yeah, me, perfect. yeah, you, you can put the, and if they can maybe, if I don't know them, send me a note, um, your truth shared or something like that. And I'm, I'm always open to being of service and to helping in any way I can, if I can. So tell them to feel free to get in contact with me. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Michelle, you can search for her on LinkedIn under Michelle Bailey. That's B-A-I-L-L-Y. And if you'd be so kind to share this episode with someone you know who would find it valuable, I would greatly appreciate it. And if you'd like to reach out to me about the podcast or anything else marketing or entrepreneurship related, check out finolahoward.com. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care. 